Welcome to Great Australian Lives with Joe Hall for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello and welcome to Great Australian Lives. This afternoon, it's an honour to be joined by one of Melbourne's strongest women. While raising a young family, she was hit with the news her husband, Jim Steins, had been diagnosed with cancer. Fighting his battle and ultimate death in the public eye with the Melbourne community, she's since remarried and running a business of her own, all the while keeping Jim's legacy intact. I welcome Sam, Sam Ludby. Thank you for joining me, Sam. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Joe. Now, tell me, you're working as, as Managing Director of Jumbo Early Education, which is at DFO Southwharf, and I've heard it described as a boutique long daycare and kindergarten. What makes it different to other places? Oh, look, I think it's the word boutique. We're small. Uh, so, you, won't, you know, we have 49 places, whereas a lot of um, long daycare centres and childcare centres um, are plus 100 places. So keeping it small is really important because then the educators and all the children and families all get to collaborate and work together. So, you know, having it small just um, improves the quality of care, which is fantastic. And when, when you say long day care, is, is that effectively a long day, opening hours, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we open at 7am and um, close at 6pm. And because we're in inner city Melbourne, uh, people are working long, long corporate days. So, you know, it's not uncommon for us to have the children um, in our care from 7 till 6 it's a so great, it is a long, long day. <laughs> it, it is a great idea, though, to accommodate, you know, longer working days and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's really good. And, you know, um, one of the benefits, I think, of people that are um, using our service is that um, instead of having to rush home, you know, perhaps back to the suburbs and pick our traffic and stress that they're going to be late to pick up, mm. they're picking up their, their precious bundle first and then um, having a nice, relaxing drive home and a chat in the car. So it's, yeah, it's working out very well for quite a few families. You obviously love it. Yeah, I do. I used to be a primary school teacher so um, many years ago. So um, I'm really enjoying actually working um, on the floor with, with the other educators and all the kids. So um, it's a lot of fun and, you know, kids keep you young. Yeah, they <laughs> do, don't they? Smiling and laughing and tired and all those things. But um, it's really nice working um, back in too with, you know, families within the community. So I'm having a great time. You would have seen Jim working with young children a lot. Do you use some of that in your day-to-day work? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, a lot of the philosophies of the REACH Foundation, of course, we've embedded um, in Jumbo. So, you know, we're a fairly uh, positive place. And, you know, no matter how um, young kids are, you know, we're very positive with them and, you know, encourage their learning and development. And um, it's just fantastic. And just being able to, to support, because I'm getting older now, but <laughs> to support, I'm watching all these, you know, beautiful young families um, with mum and dad working and, and investing so much in their little ones. So, you know, it's also it sort of feels nice, you know, in, in our way to sort of give something back to, which is great. Now, on a different tangent, I know at Channel 9, uh, we ran a story recently, Neil Mitchell's interview with you, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was wonderful, by the way, and we all love Neil. But um, I, I know you spoke about the backlash that you received from friends when you you remarried Jeff Ports, uh, Melbourne's property developer. Um, That must have been very, very difficult. I I really felt for you when I heard you talk about that. Yeah, look, I think, um, I guess it's very difficult to predict, you know, the future and and what uh, 
different people's feelings may have been about it, but I just thought it so wrong because people that I um, thought it may have been more of a sensitive topic for were actually, in fact, um, incredibly supportive and, you know, gave me their blessing. And then um, people that I just didn't assume it would it would cause pain for them, I guess, um, it did. And I, so it was, it was a real shock uh, and a surprise. But, you know, I guess <laughs> we can't predict everything and we just have to deal with these things as they arise. But it was, um, yeah, it was very painful, very painful. I had a few, you know, tantrums and a bit of screaming matches and things like that. Um, but I just, I put it all down to, to grief, really. I think it's um, because in some ways uh, by people perceiving me moving on, I think it probably reflects back to, to the person that may have struggled with it. Um, you know, what's going on for them about their lives and what Jim meant to them and where they, where they sat with everything. So, um, yeah, grief's a very complex, complex topic and it's personal for everybody. Mm, oh, no, no doubt about that. And I don't think you can really judge people in grief. That's, you know, what I, I believe anyway. But um, I, yeah. I, I just, I don't, I think the majority of people could, you know, couldn't feel anything else but happiness for you at finding happiness again. Yeah, look, it, um, it was one of Jim's sort of final, um, it wasn't a request, obviously, but it was uh, when I felt that, you know, I didn't know how I'd, you know, ever really go on. You know, he was really adamant about, um, especially role modelling for our children, that um, life does go on and, you know, in time that I would need to rebuild a new life for myself. And uh, so I always had his him in the, in the back of my mind about, um, you know, getting on with life and life is short and making the most of it. And and most importantly, I think role modelling for Matisse and Tiernan, um, not to sort of throw in the towel and it's all too hard and give up. So I did have that behind me, which was really helpful. And also you mentioned the people that you, you know, you thought might have been sensitive um, to and turned out to be supportive. Were you referring to, to Jim's own mum? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, Jim's entire um, immediate family you know that uh, he grew up with um were all just amazing and very accepting and um so lovely to to Jeff as well so um having that support meant the world um because it you know it removed any well it didn't remove it completely but it helped lessen any guilt I might have felt about um moving on and um yeah that's just been been wonderful Fantastic. Join us after this song as we head back to the start for Sam Ludby. This is Great Australian Lives for Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. You're listening to Great Australian Lives with Joe Hall for Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to Great Australian Lives on 1377 3MP for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Joe Hall here with Sam Ludby. Sam, you grew up in Melbourne and, and went to Wesley College. How was that? Oh, it was great. Well, I must have loved it so much because my kids go there and <laughs> <laughs> have done since they were three. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's uh, well, back when I was there a long time ago um, in the 80s. Yeah, I loved it. Very eclectic school, you know, that um, looked at um, fostering, you know, all aspects of being a student from music to the arts to academics to sports. Um, so, yeah, I had a really, really great um schooling at Wesley was fantastic. Um, do you have siblings? Yes, I have an older brother. He's nine years older though. So um, 
we're very close, but uh, Wayne is his name, and um, he was. So obviously, by the time I was nine, Wayne was sort of moving out of out of home with his first girlfriend into a flat. So um, he's a bit of a, a father figure as well. In, 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 oh, okay, because of the age difference. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I understand that. My um, my older brother is 17 when I was born, so, and my sister yeah. was 12. And, you know, you have almost like another set of parents when you've got that scenario, yeah. so, <laughs> which is good absolutely. and bad at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I must say the tables have turned now because um, Wayne's in his 50s and I, I reckon it's fair to say that I do a fair bit of looking after him now. So <laughs> <laughs> the tables have turned he's now hopeless <laughs> so do you have you your memories of childhood um were they good do you have a happy one yeah I um it's funny you ask that because my Wesley Glen Waverley was where I went to first before I moved into the um St Kilda Road campus closer into town but um I grew up in Glen Waverley and now Matisse my daughter who is 14 um she needs to go out to Wesley Glen Waverley to utilize sporting grounds and the netball courts etc etc so um the family always tease me because I take them on these memory lane trips around Glen Waverley and it's it's changed so much in that area um so they were always teasing me going oh and you know my son's like I don't want to hear any more about your upbringing in Glen Waverley but I grew up (laughs) skipping on the streets um you know, walking to the milk bar, being on roller skates and bikes and um, playing cricket, you know, in the paddock across the road from the house. So, yeah, I had a really um, great suburban Melbourne childhood when, um, yeah, we could just sort of roam around freely and when it was dark, your parents sort of hollered, you know, come in for dinner. Great childhood. It, it is a great way to, um, to be brought up, isn't it? Now, you went yeah. to Melbourne Uni. Uh, you mentioned before that you taught uh, a primary school teacher. Did you always yeah. want to work with young children? Uh, oh gosh, now I have to cast my mind back. I, I actually, oh no, I wanted to be an artist and <laughs> I started visual arts at Melbourne Uni, which I absolutely loved. And then unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not sure how I'd look at it. Um, my folks were a little bit like, well, how will you ever support yourself being an artist? So I did that course. Uh, and then changed um, to teaching and I became a primary school teacher in the classroom but also the uh, visual arts teacher. So um, I sort of fell, I suppose, into teaching um, and then, um, yeah, loved it, loved it once I was, um, you know, teaching kids. And my favourite school was Carlton Primary School at Neil Street there because we had um, just this amazing melting pot of um, migrant children from all around the world so um, I did love working there it was great. I was going to say I, I, I understood you did work with students from like Ethiopia in Sudan that must have been really yeah. challenging and rewarding at the same time. Yeah it was a huge learning curve for me because I was still fairly young and my life experience pitted against even these kids who were you know 10, 11, 12, 13 was quite limited because a lot of these children um, had migrated you know over to Melbourne from obviously war-torn countries and uh, you know I learned I learned so much from from these kids but I really enjoyed um, being able to help facilitate for these children you know to create their own storyline and I guess you know rebuild a life for themselves in Melbourne um, and to keep moving forward. So yeah, it was that was my favourite job, and um, I really miss miss uh, teaching there. It was it was it looked, taught me a lot, and um, built really great relationships with the teachers and and the students that I worked with at the time. And you returned to study to complete your masters. 
Yeah, well, that well, I think that was too. That was fueled a little bit by, um, whoa, how am I going to survive? I was living in Richmond, paying rent, paying off my car on a teaching salary, and I'm like, you know, some nights I was seriously eating, um, you know, baked beans and you know toast for dinner, which was absolutely fine. But I, <laughs> again, it was fueled by, oh, how will I get ahead um, on my teacher's salary? So I thought, so I went back to do extra study so I could keep um, improving my qualifications and thus improve my wage. So that was driven by that. So Sam, how did you end up working for Reach, the Reach Foundation, yeah. which of course Jim founded? Yeah, well, um, that was, it sort of um, surfaced through um, doing my Masters of Education and I um, decided to do my thesis topic on the discourse of Reach because I knew that Jim and his crew were doing this amazing work with young people. But I guess I'm probably, um, logically, I just, I couldn't understand that the work <laughs> that they were doing. So I did a whole thesis paper on it. Um, and then from spending a lot of time, um, you know, researching and um, taking anecdotal records and experiencing the work for myself, I actually grew to have a lot of respect and admiration and understanding of the work. And then um, I thought, well, I'd love to work here. So then I ended up um, at, oh gosh, it's going back a long time, but we uh, developed, it was called the Rookies Program. So it was for primary school children to come through REACH to do similar work, but obviously um, more appropriate for their age level. Um, yeah, so that was um, a great job and I got to work with uh, um, a Dr. Heine, I think his name was, and he was from Monash Uni and um, he was doing his PhD on, on the work of REACH too. So um, we developed some fantastic programs and um, yeah, had a really great time. Um, when you say primary school age children, do, do you mean that they might be troubled or that they would, you were just exposing them to the work of REACH? Yeah, look, uh, REACH, it's interesting because um, uh, often people um, um, thought that REACH was for, um, you know, young people that um, may have necessarily have just had um, challenges or adversity to overcome, which was definitely the case for a lot of the um, young people that came to REACH. But REACH was also um, really popular just amongst um, young people in general um, from all walks of life. And I think that's what made it so special because you had, you know, in a big hall with, you know, hundreds of kids doing a Heroes Youth Day or, you know, smaller workshops with 60 kids or 30 kids, but they came from different walks of life and they were able to, you know, have a lens into a whole lot of topics and challenges that they otherwise mightn't have had themselves and a new empathy and understanding. Um, and then these amazing friendships developed that normally these, these kids wouldn't have. So, um, yeah, so the Rookies Program, the schools would actually book their schools in for it um, for all their kids in grade five and six. So, uh, yeah, and a lot of, um, you know, goal setting and kids looking at their dreams and who they are and, and bullying obviously would come up um, as a pretty consistent topic. And um, so it was really a lovely program for kids to be able to learn about all that good stuff um, before they were teenagers even. Mm. Um, where, when did you meet Jim? Whoa, I, gosh, I'm getting old. I'm having to cast my mind back. <laughs> I met Jim, wow, I was 20, so 23 years ago. Um, and I had broken up, you know, from the love of my life, as you do when you're 20 and you think your life's over and you're never going to breathe again. Um, my parents sent me to North Queensland to Cairns to stay with my grandmother to help me recover from this, you know, all-important tragedy. <laughs> Um, and I was actually going out to um, 
meet um, an old family friend that I wouldn't have seen probably in about, you know, eight years. And he told me to meet him in a specific um, bar. And um, when I arrived, I actually saw Jim across the bar and I didn't know who he was, but I recognised his face because I think he had um, not not long won the brown line. So I guess just his face that I must have subliminally have taken in, in images around, around the place. Um, I waved at him and he called me over and pretended he was someone else for a few minutes until I'm like, well, you're clearly not the friend I was meant to meet tonight, my old family friend. You're someone else. And that's how we met. He was just being really cheeky. I probably looked a bit silly. And, um, yeah, and we just started talking. And then uh, Jim, because my older brother that we were chatting about before is a sports photographer. So back in Melbourne, he actually phoned my older brother for my phone number and it sort of went from there and Wayne phoned me up and said what are you doing you know you know in Queensland where how did you meet this guy blah 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 and yeah so it just went from there. <laughs> Sounds wonderful um you, it must have yeah. been uh I know we've seen and it was pretty obvious you had a wonderful life with Jim it, it, he must have been an inspiration to live with. Oh look and I've often said you know there's there's been a lot of um parents and young people that you know over all the years have been incredibly thank you uh, thankful to Jim for what he may have um assisted with you know with them but um gee I got to live with the guy so um you know I had that sort of 24 7 um presence and he he definitely like I when we met when I was 20 I, I mean whenever the person we were obviously 23 years on but um he really helped foster uh, foster in me um, personal growth, professional growth, um, facing fears, you know, giving things a go. I was quite shy and um, withdrawn in a lot of ways. So, you know, he kept pushing me. Sometimes I get really cross at him. I'm like, you're pushing me too hard. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm so thankful for that because he really did help mould me into, I guess, you know, who I am today. Don't forget to head to our Twitter Page at Great Oz Lives for full podcasts of all the shows. You'll find heaps of other prominent Australian women, including Janine Ellis, Lisa McCune, Moira Kelly, and Geraldine Cox. Plus, last week's show with Elaine Saunders. This is Great Australian Lives, the Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives on 1377 3MP. You're listening to Great Australian Lives with Joe Hall for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're with Great Australian Lives. I'm Jo Hall and I'm chatting to Sam Ludby, Director of Jumbo Early Education. Sam, let's talk about the Melbourne Football Club. We were talking before about the support of those around you. Were they a big support to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a woman down at Melbourne Football Club called Jen Watt and um, she's still there. And uh, She was incredible and the football club was incredible and it really gave Jim a great deal of um, purpose to keep going because he just he loved it <laughs> so um to have the opportunity to you know stay focused on on something he absolutely loved uh was i believe really helpful in, in keeping jim keep up the good fight what well, what sort of things did the club do for you uh well look did things like when we were silly enough to sneak jim out of the hospital um you know jen would organize you know a safe um, comfortable spot for, for Jim to actually get to the game so he could hear the crowd and, and, and see it for himself and not have to watch it on TV and experience and see a few of his mates. Um, so they did some little, you know, cheeky things like that. But it's, you know, it's those small things that just make the biggest difference. And, um, yeah, they were just 
just amazing. And just that, um, again, it comes back to that thing of um, we talked about school communities being amazing. The football community was amazing. Um, the supporters, um, you know, friends within within the football club. So um, it was a really close-knit, um, lovely, safe um, sanctuary, really, for us, which was wonderful. Um, you sent an open letter to um, the people of the Melbourne Football Club for their support during um, when you were mourning Jim. Yeah, um, I just um, I think that letter links directly back to me when I um, walked out of the cathedral and was um, just so humbled by seeing the, the, the sea of um, blue and red um, all standing in silence. And um, for me, that moment in time just um, I just I was just blown away. I was just I, I couldn't sort of believe the um, the support of, of all the people that had had come down to um, show their respects for Jim and just be there. And um, and I thought, wow, you know. And and for a husband and wife, I mean, obviously, um, you go through a lot of times when you've got young families when you know you're being pulled in different directions, and it can put um, tension on on the family unit. Um, but right at that moment, I thought, wow, it was all worth it. It was so worth it, and um, sort of symbolised the sort of the greater good, you know, all working as one. Mm. Sounds a bit silly, <laughs> but um, not at all. Yeah, I just felt that, and I was like, wow something in this as I said before I'm still not sure what it all is but yeah it was incredible I actually distinct- so I wanted to thank everyone I think in that open letter for all their support so Sam I, I distinctly remember watching um the images of uh, Jim's funeral which of, of course we were covering live coming into the newsroom and I I remember that very moment when you walked out of the cathedral and I remember you waving to the crowd and I thought that that moment in time would be something that you would carry with you forever yeah completely and I wanted to run over to the crowds and just hug everybody and I remember um the security wouldn't let me (laughs) um but that was my initial my pull just to go to these beautiful people and just and and be with them um so the best I could sort of manage at that moment in time was a big heartfelt wave but I think I probably just wanted to go and fall into all their arms I think I was like oh <laughs> you know with all these beautiful people yeah it was an incredible moment in my life that will be with me you know to like go wherever you go absolutely um obviously Jim's left a lot of legacy where there's no doubt about that um obviously with Reach are you still involved with Reach yeah, we're um, just in, you know, negotiations at the moment um, because with the childcare, a big driving factor of, of me going back into business is um, I've also set up the Jim Stein Foundation, which hasn't, <coughs> excuse me, officially launched, but it's all legally set up. And, um, yeah, the, the uh, driving motivation behind the childcare is um, for, you know, a lot of the profit to go into the foundation and then, you know, to go back to um, places doing great things because Jim was fantastic with reach, for instance, of asking people for money. But, you know, as times times change and things go on, there's a lot of very worthy charitable causes out there and a lot of people are asking for assistance and money, but it makes it more and more difficult to to raise the funds. So um, I was actually, I was just motivated. I went and listened to one of the founders of the Thank You Water um, company speak. It was a women's night of, you know, great women um, who have done some fantastic things speaking. And, And 
um, the lady's name has just slipped my memory, but she's in her 20s. And I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, this sort of idea of social enterprise is something in this. And, um, yeah, so I went away from that night and thought, right, rather than, you know, what's the best way I can to sort of get out there and, and try and support organisations such as REACH or whatever the causes will end up being, um, yeah, sort of take control of it. And if it's a business, then it's, um, you know, not a matter of asking it's a, it will be in a really good position where the funds are just filtering through because of having a, a successful business. So fingers crossed, that's the plan. And what what will it support? What will that foundation support? Well, look, yeah, well, um, hopefully REACH, and um, that would be great. And there's another arm of REACH called uh, Collective Potential, which is um, facilitators that have been at REACH since they were 14, and now these, these girls are um, sort of in their 30s. Um, so between Collective Potential Reach and, and Jumbo, we're hoping that we have a really lovely union. And then um, beyond that, um, you know, there's obvious um, charity, you know, melanoma cancer will probably be something that um, I'd love to support mm. through Jumbo. So, um, you know, like most charitable organisations, we have criteria of what, what will fit our organisation and um, we'll go from there. Mm. Join us after this song as we continue to explore the life of Sam Ludby. This is Great Australian Lives on 1377 3MP. You're listening to Great Australian Lives with Joe Hall for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to Great Australian Lives for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Joe Hall here with Sam Ludby, the widow of Melbourne icon Jim Steins. Sam, last year the Jim Steins Bridge was opened in Docklands. That must have been a pretty proud moment for you. Yeah. Hey, it's pretty cool having a bridge named in your legs, isn't it? <laughs> it's not bad at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was really, really lovely. And just by coincidence, the childcare centre is directly across the um, the river from the bridge. So our playground, you can see the Jimstones Bridge. So I don't know, that just feels really nice that uh, we're connected to the bridge in that way. But um, it is nice and, yeah, quite often family, you know, grab an ice cream and go for a wander on the bridge and um, it's a really lovely, lovely thing. Yeah. Very happy with this. Yeah. Um, and the Jim Steins Award, um, this is all part of his wonderful legacy. I, I'm referring to the one that is presented on Brownlow Medal Night each year. To, to, and it's oh, just, just yeah. a lovely concept to the player doing, you know, wonderful things in the community. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, that's something like I'd like to get sort of um, my teeth stuck into that because um, it is the, the player that, that, that wins it and the nominations that come forward. I mean, it's, it shows like yours where, you know, these guys, I just, you know, I'd really love for some more momentum, you know, around that award um, to sort of, you know, show people's real appreciation for what, what these guys do because they really do go above and beyond and they don't do it. Um, to sort of for the glory of it or anything like that they just do it because they really want to make a difference and do some good in the community so um yeah i'm hoping you know in time as, as that award keeps going it gains more and more momentum and um yeah it gets a bit more media coverage so that people out there um really do get a good um insight into what these guys are doing and, and you're so right i mean i've done a, f a fair few stories with um some of these footballers doing remarkable things and and they sh it should be acknowledged because they as you say that they, they don't do it for the, the glory they do it because no, they want to make a difference 
and you know, on on the night it's presented, it's it's not like media are rushing to the media room to ask these guys questions after they've won it, and they don't care because that's not why they do yeah. it. But I'm like, geez, what's it take? Come mm. on, we need to care. This is the good stuff. Let's, <laughs> you know, get get a get stuck into this and put it out there. But um, it'll get there. I could, Everything in good time. I could not agree with you more. Um, now you mentioned your children before, um, Matisse and Tin, and how how old are they now? They are Matisse is. 14 going on 21 but she's taller than than I am and uh yeah she's good and Tiernan is 10. And you must be they seem to have handled themselves uh, incredibly well um with the public nature of, of their dad's death. Yeah look I think you know um I was fairly conscious of you know making their transition of sort of um you know because they sort of I guess it was a very public battle for the kids too and and you know they were in and out of the documentary and and things like that and then and then after you know Jim died I was fairly adamant that I wanted the kids to um, retreat back into a normal childhood as best that that we could Um, so they made that transition really nicely and They've been really great because I just wanted the kids to focus on school, on their interests of sport and, you know, music, whatever else they like to do, and um, provide a routine for the kids and stability and normality. And it's really, really paid off because now they're, you know, really well-adjusted, you know, happy, um, normal, everyday kids just living their life. And and under the circumstances, I don't think they could be doing any better. Mm. So they're doing great. Uh, there must have been some really um, hard days. How, how did you help them through those? Wow. Well, again, um, look, I've been fortunate. I've always had really good support, um, you know, with educational psychologists and, um, oh, wow, lots of talking and calm. You know, there was lots of crying, a few tantrums, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, and, you know, sometimes I had to be hard on them. It's like, you know, we have to get on with it. Um, nothing's going to be achieved from, from not doing that. Um, yeah, just lots of openness, communication, but real communication and um, supporting one another. And role modelling was really important that we chatted briefly about before, about keeping keeping on. Um, and honestly, there was, there was times where I just felt like absolute death myself, but I thought I still have to get up, get dressed, put on a bit of lipstick, brush my hair, you know, get up get out there um, into the day. And, and they would have helped you do that in, in lots of yeah, ways. Yeah, they did. Mm. And, I mean, I'm lucky I have them too because, you know, sometimes I wonder if I didn't have them to keep me having a purpose to keep going on for them. You know, I may not have um, have coped um, the way I did. So we're really fortunate to have each other. But um, I feel a huge responsibility to... Um, do the best that I can in bringing them up to being young adults um, obviously because Jim's not here and he left me with some fairly um, <laughs> some fairly um, very clear aims about what he wanted for the children so I'm you know really committed to um, seeing that out as well for him. And can I ask what they are? Oh yeah well um, uh, sport huge huge importance for Jim wasn't so important for me once um, Tina to play footy <laughs> yeah well it was funny it was just sort of sport so um you know because Jim was always 
the dad who was taking Tin and down, he used to coach Matisse's basketball team. And, and uh, then he was always, you know, taking Tin and down to South Melbourne Footy Club. And, you know, he was very certain he wanted Tin to go to the South Melbourne Football Club, not the Paran Football Club for whatever reasons. I can't remember. You know, he, he wanted them to be immersed in um, representative sports. So, you know, I've sort of gone from not having any clues about anything to do with sport to, you know, um, Being an you know, expert. I don't think there's one night a week, I think, where I'm not one of us, Jeff or I, aren't rushing um, Matisse or Tin and off to a training session or a, or a sporting match in some remote area of Victoria. Um, yeah, but I've embraced it and I actually love it. It's really fun. <laughs> Only cricket yeah. goes for so long. That's the one sport I've struggled with with my boys. Yeah. Oh, oh you're very good if you're doing cricket. Cricket and rowing, I reckon, are two like there. Rowing is the up. worst early mornings, four o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's nice. That's why I stepped into a basketball stadium. I don't know where I was. It was an hour and a half or two hours out of Melbourne. And I was like, it was hundreds and hundreds of people. The same phenomenon when I stepped into uh, Gels Park out near Willis Hill for Matisse's Netball. Just this sort of feeling of there's this whole life outside of <laughs> AFL. And it's massive yeah. <laughs> yeah incredible incredible <laughs> to stick around next we'll see what the future holds for sam ludby this is great australian lives for tobin brothers celebrating lives you're listening to great australian lives with joe hall for tobin brothers funerals celebrating lives you're with great australian lives i'm chatting with sam ludby sam what are you working on next what's 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 happening with you now well, I am working really hard at, uh, at this um, first childcare centre that we've opened and um, then, you know, we'll work to open a couple more, I reckon. Um, and the Jim Stein Foundation, I'm just working on um, final touches um, with the foundation and um, like we chatted about before, you know, um, where funds will sort of be distributed to, which is very really exciting. Um, and yeah, and that's it pretty much at the moment for me. I'm, um, yeah, working a pretty long working week and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Christmas and, you know, a bit of a summer holiday down the beach, which would be nice. And what's, um, so your holiday, do you have any plans to go anywhere special? Oh, well, we're actually, I think we're going to sneak off um, next week, actually, to Tokyo, which will be nice as a family, um, spend a little bit of time there. So um, that was a last minute spontaneous um, getaway. So, yeah, it'll be really nice just to spend some time with the kids because we've all had a really, really busy year. So it'll be nice to um, regroup and, you know, get to know each other again. Be good. <laughs> Does Jeff have children? Are you are you a stepmom? Yeah, Jeff has got three children. Um, he has That's a real Alex. Brady Bunch. <laughs> yeah, it is a real Brady Bunch. But we need one more and we'd be the absolute <laughs> Brady Bunch. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you want yeah. to have more children? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Um, I no. was 41 when I had my twins. Oh, you're good. Wow, you must have a lot of energy, Joe. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I reckon with five, I reckon we're pretty good. Pretty busy. What yeah. ages are they? Yeah. Oh, they're good. Alex is he's 21. He just turned 21. Um, and then Sam is 19. And both Alex and Sam have both finished um, high school. And uh, Zoe is 17 and she's doing BCE next year. So, you know, the last couple of years have been fairly um, condensed with, um, you know, uh, VCE, studying for VCE mm. for, for the poor children. Um, yeah, but it's a really nice um, mix of ages. And Sam, do the older ones live with you? The uh, older 
cause children they do week about with their mum. So it works really nicely to just sort of go, you know, one week with their mum, one week at our place. And um, obviously the boys being older, I mean, they, they do do their own thing, obviously. As well. mm. Mm. So, you know, sometimes we mightn't see them for days on end and then, <laughs> and then they'll be back around. But it's really nice. It's great. And uh, final question, what's on your bucket list? Wow. You know what? <laughs> I just reckon, I've often thought about that because um, I've, I've travelled a lot in my time and met lots of amazing people and done lots of fabulous things. And my bucket list is really simple. It's just all by day, just to have a great life and, and be calm and content and, and reflective and, you know, just in, enjoy the everyday. Because I don't recommend to enjoy the everyday. So, um that's it, you know. It sounds a bit boring, but um, like at the moment, my, you know, my bucket list is coming into work every day, and sometimes working these ridiculous eleven-hour shifts. But but I actually I'm just loving it, and um, I think it's the normality of it that I love, and the routine, and just being, you know, enjoying the kids' lives because they won't be around for long. I mean, you know, Tinan's already ten in eight, nine, ten years. You know, he'll be gone as well, and. You know, and then I think Jeff and I are fairly keen then, you know, once we've done the, the home life and the family thing, um, yeah, we'll probably go and sit in Tuscany or something and, you know, grow a few olives or something. <laughs> oh, can I come? Sounds Great divine. Wine. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really have, I sort of probably should think about that. I don't really have a bucket list with, with heaps of, you know, exciting, wonderful things on it. That sounds, your, sound, that. your sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, I'm good. I'm really good. I'm I'm happiest I've been in a long time, so that's something. <laughs> so good to hear, and I'm I'm thrilled for you. And um, look, I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat. It's been uh, an honour to have you on the show, and I, you know, it's I, I'm so glad we we could do this. Yeah, it was lovely chatting to you, Joe. And um, wow, I think your show is incredible. It's- fantastic so um keep up the good work and thanks for having me it was lovely chatting it's a pl- absolute pleasure don't forget you can follow the program on twitter at great oz lives for upcoming interviews and any you may have missed this has been great australian lives for tobin brothers funerals catch us next week from five on 1377 3mp as we discover another great australian life